Well, good morning, church. Um, I didn't want to be on the stairs because I want to preach where the people are. <laughs> if you don't know me, my name is Caleb Curtisi. I'm one of the pastors here and pastor of student ministry specifically. Um, for students in here, students, parents, we do not have youth group tonight, but we do kick off next week. So we have our 2020 kickoff, January 5th. We have live worship, full band, and Pastor Scott Brown is playing electric guitar. Our very own Robert Hillman is a Christian rapper. He's going to be rapping and just booked last night is, um, is uh, Adam and Sarah Gardner as our, our comedy skit. So we'll have prizes and giveaways, raffles. Students, if you bring friends, if you invite friends, you get more raffle entries. So this is a missional opportunity for you to get prizes, but also for you to invite a friend who do doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't have a church community, who doesn't have the hope of the gospel, and they will hear the gospel, and it will be a ton of fun. So invite your friends. That's 2020, though. Back to 2019. Back to right now. Every year... Dictionary.com does a word of the year. And I'm a nerd, so I get these emails. The word of the year for, for 2019 is existential. Existential, meaning of or relating to existence. And this phrase has become mainstream because of these phrases like existential threat or existential crisis or existential choices. But the one that interests me the most and that resonates with Gen Z the most, so Gen Z is the generation right under me, about like five to 25-year-olds, this phrase resonates with them, ex existential dread. If you search existential dread, you'll get a million memes that pop up. <laughs> Do it sometime, it's pretty funny. But, but underneath all of this, all this is pointing us to is that teens, just like the rest of us, are wrestling with existence. What does it mean to be human? What, what is the purpose of life? And we live in this society that's all about progress, right? We're going we're gonna to take the next step. We're going to build the next thing, this new technology. I have to build up my name and, and make this progress. But then... We stop to think about the world, and if you were here on Christmas Eve, you, you heard Scott talk about just how massive the universe is and how small our lives really are. And then the existential dread sets in. You know, what do, does what I do, does everything I'm trying to accomplish, does it matter at all? Like, we live on this relatively tiny planet in this relatively small solar system, on the, on the fringe of a small galaxy amid a hundred billion observable galaxies. Does anything I do matter? And because of Christmas, because Jesus appearing, the Christian worldview is, a, is an unflinching yes. Yes, what you do matters because the creator of all those galaxies, he decided to become a man. He decided to step into earth so that you could have a relationship with him. And that is the purpose of existence. 
connection to God. In student ministry, we've been talking about this character trait of a disciple, heart connection with Christ. Heart connection with Christ. And and my prayer for 2020 for all of us is that we would accept God's invitation to deeper intimacy with him, to, to deeper connection with him. This image that that I created, it it represents a a heart that is just bursting with fullness and and color and life because it's connected to the creator, the source of life, the source of all good. And and that's what we're going to take a glimpse into in Psalm 16 this morning. The fullness of life that God offers when you live connected to him. So open your Bibles or Fibles or whatever you have to Psalm 16 or read along in your uh, program. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we come before you now asking for supernatural wisdom. Wisdom beyond what we're capable. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Make truth real in our hearts and clear in our minds. But even more than that, reveal yourself. Stir our affections for you, Jesus. In your name we pray. God's people said. So I understand there's some kids in this service. Yeah? Elementary school kids, where are you? Can you raise your hands? Awesome. I'm glad you're here. So I'm going to tell you a story about three people. And, And kids, you have to tell me who is the person who truly loves cookies. Okay, all three of them claim to love cookies, but you have to tell me which one has this wholehearted love for cookies, okay? You can, you can talk. Yes, perfect. Okay, so our first person, her name is Liza, on this side. Liza. Liza, she, uh, she says she loves cookies. She studies cookies every day. 
She, she knows all the ingredients to cookies, knows the variations, knows all, all about the calories and, and baking instructions. She even goes to a cookie study group. <laughs> and, and then they sing songs about cookies. <laughs> but the weird thing about Liza is that she rarely ever eats cookies. And Liza has a friend. Who, who's part of this cookie study group, too. His name is Liam. Liam, he, on the other hand, he, he doesn't really think about cookies all that much. You know, the only time he really thinks about cookies is at that study group, and so he doesn't know that much about them. And Liza is definitely disappointed in Liam's knowledge of cookies. But if you ask Liam directly how he feels about cookies, he would say, I love cookies. Cookies saved my life. I live for cookies. But then our third person. Our third person is my nephew, Jude. And it's hard to explain. He's not very articulate. But he's two years old. Let me show you what I mean when, he, when I think he loves cookies. <laughs> so kids, tell me, who is it that loves cookies wholeheartedly? Jude, thank you for your participation. Jude, Jude he doesn't just know about cookies. And, and he doesn't just say he loves cookies. Jude delights in cookies. Like, cookies are his joy. And when I talk about heart connection with Christ, I'm talking about a joy like Jude in Jesus. That's what I mean, that, that Jesus isn't just my Savior. I don't just know about him, but I delight in him. I enjoy him. That's the kind of faith we want, right? That's the faith that we want. So how do we do that? I, I, I want to offer you one practical suggestion for, for building a heart connection, a, a, something to grow your desire for God, your delight in God. But before we do that, I want to talk about these two errors that we tend to, to pinball between. So imagine you're walking a path, You've heard that Christianity is like a path. And, and so you have ditches on either side. So for every mile of walking in the faith, there's two miles of ditches. And, and our first ditch, we saw, we saw that our cookie lovers fell into these two ditches, right? So we have the lazy Liam ditch. And, and you could call it licentiousness. That'd be the... the the theological term for this. So a license. Like, I already, this is the Christian who says, I'm a Christian. When I die, I'll go to heaven. God already approves of me in Christ. I know that. I'm justified by faith. So why would I do anything else to work on my spiritual growth? This, this is the lazy, lazy Liam. Sorry if your name's Liam, by the way. <laughs> there were no Liams in the church database, so...
But Proverbs has a lot to say about the lazy person, about the sluggard, about the person who lacks sense. Proverbs 6 and 24 tell the same story of a wise man walking past a, a lazy man's yard. And so this wise man walks by and he sees that this yard is just full. What should be crop is just full of thorns and nettles and thistles. And the walls that are supposed to keep the animals out, the rodents out, they're broken down. They're not taken care of. And this is what the wise man learns, that laziness is like a robber. Laziness robs the lazy person of true life. And maybe that's where most of us are at with our spiritual life right now. Maybe your heart doesn't look so much like that heart connected to God, but is overgrown with, with thorns and nettles and thistles, and, and the walls are broken down. Because you know what? Spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines take work and courage. They're, they're hard to do. They're not fun. They're, they're discipline. And, and the, the walls that, that should be up of, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no to lesser things, lesser ambitions. We don't have those walls. So we, we take on lesser projects than working on our own hearts. And then on the, the other side, the other ditch is Liza's ditch, right? So Liza's a legalist. She does all the things. She does the, the Christian things, but, but doesn't have the relationship. And so really, these are self-centered disciplines. They're not really about seeking God. They're about being a good person by, by somebody's standard, but not about God's standard. So that's the other ditch that we can easily fall into, it is the, the legalistic ditch. Jesus had some things to say to the legalistic lies of his day. If you go to the book of John, he, he tells the, the Pharisees, he tells the scribes this, John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So to the religious people, Jesus was saying, you're missing the whole point. You're doing these things, and you might look better on the outside, but your heart really isn't that much different. It just has this, this thin veneer of nicer things, but it's not convincing. Underneath that white wall is still a life of rot and desperation and exhaustion and, and disconnection. So, so what would it look like for us to be like Jude when it comes to our faith, to delight in God? And, and notice what these two things, the two ditches are missing. Relationship. They're missing connection to God. Be, because the lazy person, right, the lazy person gives no effort. There's no communication there's no investment, there's no work, there's no courage, there's no discipline. And, and so God is here ready to walk with this person. But they are just not turning towards him. And instead walking through the ditch of life. That's no way to live. And then on this, the other side, the legalistic side, again, it's, 
self-centered work. It's not turning towards God. It's just doing the, the Christian things for one's own sake. So what's missing is relationship. And I think Psalm 16 is a beautiful picture of relationship with God. Let's read verse 2 again and, and see how relational this is. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So this is not abstract. We're eavesdropping on David's prayer. This isn't David saying like, here's a concept you should all believe in. This is David crying out to God. This is what David says in his prayers. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Don't you want that to be the honest prayer of your heart? That's what I want. Verse 5 and 6, David says this, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David is saying he's so satisfied with his portion, not because of the circumstances of his life are great by worldly standards, not because of his plural blessings, but because the relationship with God is the blessing. I'm sure I'm the only one in here who does this, but sometimes I view God as this cosmic Santa Claus. We're like, if I'm good, if I do all the right things, then God will give me the blessings that I want, right? I, I will get the, the, the recognition. I will, I will get the, the resources. I'll get the, 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 the community or the health or the whatever. And when I don't get those things, then I'm disappointed. Or worse, sometimes I get those things and then I'm depressed because they don't deliver what I thought they would deliver. But I, I've come to learn, and I'm still learning this, but these disappointments and depressions, they're actually a gift from God. It's God's goodness to me. It's a reminder to me that, that what my soul's really craving isn't those blessings. It's Emmanuel. What, what my soul really longs for is God himself. And that's why these other things are disappointing and depressing when I get them. And so if you're going through some disappointments and some depressions, maybe God is teaching you that same thing. That what your soul really is craving is not shallow pleasures, but God himself. So how do we get to the place where David's at? Where David says, my whole flesh rejoices. My whole being rejoices. My heart is full of gladness because I have a relationship with God. I, I think a hint to the answer comes in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. Take a look at these two hearts again. I know there was three before, but you get it. 
Can a gardener control how flowers grow? No. A gardener can't control how flowers grow, but a gardener can tend to the soil, can cultivate the soil, and the Christian can set the Lord before him always. And so the, the question I've been wrestling with this week is, am I cultivating the soil of my heart? Are, are you cultivating the soil of your heart? Do you have any plan for spiritual growth beyond church attendance? Do you have intentionality in your discipleship? What, what are you doing to invest in this relationship with God? And, and are you investing in the relationship or are you just searching the scriptures and missing God himself? So let me offer one suggestion for you a spiritual discipline that will absolutely change your life if you throw your whole self into it. And, and this one exercise, if you do this daily, you will build a heart connection with God. Pray scripture honestly every day. It's not a secret, really. I know a lot of us are hoping for a silver bullet in spirituality, just like, you know what, I want to be healthy, but I, I don't want to change the way I eat or exercise more. There's just no way around it. Praying scripture, listening to God, and talking to God every day, that's really the only way to build a heart connection with him. That, that is the only way, and, and nothing has helped me grow in the gospel, like reading scripture, praying scripture, and doing it honestly. And, and I put in this word honestly because it's, it's easy to do things half-hearted or, or not honestly, to do them de deceitfully. At first Wednesday, Carol Travilla said something that resonated with me, so I wrote it down. I knew how to be a Christian on the outside, to sing worship songs, to act and look good, to read my Bible, to go to church, to serve at the church, but I didn't know how to be honest with God in my innermost being. I didn't know how to be honest with God in my innermost being, and that is really where the relationship comes. Without honesty, there's not a relationship. And the Psalms, the Psalms have really helped me tremendously be honest with God in my prayers. So the, Psalm, the book of Psalms is, is the worship book that God gave us. And uh, people debate about how to categorize the Psalm, Psalms, but about a third of them are lament Psalms. And, and a lament means an expression of sorrow or grief or, or anger or or depression, like negative, honest, raw, unfiltered feelings. And, and God is encouraging us by giving us all these psalms that are expressing anger and sorrow. He's encouraging us to be honest with him. He's encouraging us to, to yell at him if we're angry. 
God could take it. And by the way, he already knows your thoughts. <laughs> so if you're angry at God, yell at him. God, I feel like you've forgotten about me. I feel like you don't have a plan for my life. I don't see you working. What, what are you doing? I don't get it. If you're angry, be angry at God. That's a relationship. If you're full of sorrow and confusion, tell him, God, I don't get it. Why, why is there so much suffering in my life, in the people I love? Tell him. If, if you feel just apathy and laziness, tell him. Again, this is just part of relationship. I can't tell you how many times my prayers are a confession of apathy. God, I, I'm reading in your word how excellent you are today, but I don't care. I just feel indifferent to you. That's still relationship, even if it's ugly. And, and that is the heart of Christianity, this heart connection with God. So express your anger, express your sorrow, express your apathy, and then ask God to change it. That, that's the only way that you're going to grow in relationship with God. It will require discipline. Um, at a family gathering, confession time for me, at a family gathering the other day, and my family's over here, so you'll get to know my heart response in a situation. My dad suggested that we fast and pray weekly as a family for something. And the gut reaction of my heart was, yes, I'd love to do that. No, the, the gut reaction of my heart was like, that sounds inconvenient and uncomfortable. Thanks for the homework, Dad. <laughs> and so I had an option then. I, I could be like Liam and just ignore it and hope it goes away. And hopefully the suggestion doesn't come up again. I just don't have to deal with it. Or I, I could be like Liza and, and hop on board, do it with my teeth gritted, and, and just pull myself up by my bootstraps and do it. Because, you know, I'm a Christian. you got to do it. And I'm a pastor. My dad can't be more spiritual than me. <laughs> but again, there's no relationship with God in those responses. So what did I do? I take my groaning heart to the Lord. God, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And then I ask, God, change my heart. Soften my heart. And you know what? He has, for today at least. He has. And, and maybe my heart will be groaning again tomorrow. You know what I'll do? What I hope I'll do is complain to him again and ask him to change me. Because that's a life of relationship with God, dependence on God for change. See, gospel change doesn't happen just by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and doing it. It happens with honest relationship with God. God is so kind. He's so gracious. And if the desire of your heart is to desire God more, he'll give that to you. 
and maybe right now you're still in, you're in that apathy, just pray, God, help me to want to desire you. I want to want you. God honors those prayers. He loves those prayers. They're honest. If you're looking for a practical next step, um, I recommend this book, Face to Face by Kenneth Boa. It's 93 days, three months of praying scripture. And it walks you through. There's prompts. It's really simple. It's not complicated, but it does take work and courage. Uh, it's eight bucks on Amazon. You could do it. And, and you know what? If you buy the book and you do it by the end of 2020, I'll, I'll reimburse you. I'll give you the $8. And it will be the best $8 investment I've made. Pray scripture daily. Talk to God daily. Listen to God daily. He wants a relationship with you. He's inviting you to know him better. And, and that's what I hope you, you accept this invitation for this coming year. As you're reflecting on what's happened and, and what you want next year to look like, I, I pray that you would accept this invitation. I want to close with this very existential statement from the book of John. John 17, 3. This is Jesus talking, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. When does eternal life start, according to this? When you know God. You don't have to wait till you die to experience eternal life. Right now, you can live in fullness of life, and, and I implore you, embrace this invitation for to walk in deeper intimacy with God, honestly praying scripture daily. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth so that we could have a relationship with you. Thank you for your word, which reveals to us who you are and what you have done. Right now, you're exalted at the right hand of the Father. And one day, you'll return. And as we live our lives now, would you help us keep this eternal perspective in mind? Help us form habits and, and daily spend time in prayer with you, through your word, by your spirit. In your precious name we pray. God's people said...